0: You're listening to Locked On Cavaliers, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cavaliers podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily local sports podcast network. I am Chris Manning, your host and the site manager over at fearlessord.com, SB Nation's Cleveland Cavaliers blog. If you aren't already, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Megaphone or wherever else you listen to podcasts. A five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts, is the best way to support the show. And you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Locked On Calves. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWM Rights. On today's show, we're gonna go through what we learned from Monday's practice, talk through three things to watch for in Tuesday night's cavs Celtics game, and then we're gonna finish with the weekly check-in on one Jedi Osman who will not play. On Tuesday, starting with practice, no Jetty, uh, according to Larry Drew, because of his ankle injury that he suffered against the Mavericks. If you missed that game, if you missed the show, if you missed any of the news or blurbs written about that, Jetty sprained his ankle in the first half, left the game, and did not come back. This is not a total surprise. Uh, Jetty's been playing really well of late, so it is a bummer. And uh, it's worth noting that the last time Jetty went into a long extended funk, it was because he got hurt. Again, we don't know how serious this is. We don't know when he's going to be back. We don't know, you know, if he's going to play Friday in D.C. or Saturday in Indiana or whatever. But it sucks that he's going to miss any more time due to an injury that seemed to just kind of happen randomly as he was going to put up a basket. Larry Drew also said that he hopes Kevin Love plays before the All-Star break, but that Kevin Love will not play on Tuesday. This does line up with what Drew had to say on Saturday prior to Kev's Mavericks when he was asked a similar question about Kevin Love. As we head into the show's next segment, you will hear what Drew had to say about Love verbatim. I would guess that Kevin Love actually does play before the All-Star break, which was the goal all along. I think they're going to be cautious. There's no need to rush him back. There's no need to get Kevin Love on the court a minute before he's absolutely ready to play. One note about the recovery process here, according to Drew, is that Kevin Love does does not need to go back to New York and get a checkup um, and get fully cleared by his doctor in New York. Of course, as you likely know, Love had his surgery at a hospital in New York. Uh, that doctor has been part of his rehab plan, been working with the Cavs, athletic training staff, and medical team to make sure he is recovering as he should. That specialist um, is kind of led that care, but now that he's been back in Cleveland further away from surgery, which was in, was in November, Love is basically kind of – does not have to go back to get any more checkups. He has had at least one checkup that we know about, I would guess more, but it seems like he's beyond having to go back there. Maybe he'll get something in the off season or whatever, but for now – um, he's okay, and I do think the way you are going to find out Kevin Love plays is he's going to talk at shoot-around the day he plays, and that's how we're going to know. So if unexpectedly Friday, Kevin Love talks at shoot-around in D.C., that's maybe a signal that he's going to play. In other injury news, David Nawaba will play again on Tuesday after he Returned on Saturday. Um, Alec Burks will play despite being the likeliest player to be dealt. There's no other injuries on the roster right now for the Cavs. So they're, they're getting a little bit healthier. Still no word on when Tristan will be back. Um, and otherwise, aside from Love and aside from Jetty, they're getting healthier. Um, you know, it's, it's a bummer for them that every time they seem to get someone healthy, someone else does get hurt. But they are at least making some progress, and getting Nawaba back is a big deal. And right now, um, I think we have to see and take things as a wait and see approach. As far as the roster changing, you know, I this is a tough time of year for any team, for any player, for anyone that um, is involved in this business and and is on the team side, especially. It's a really just wait and see thing. Anyone could get traded at any time, basically, and you have to see um, how things are going to shake out. How things are going to react. You know, Larry Drew could you know have to. You know, pull someone out tomorrow, and at the right before the tip, and because of a trade that is, that has happened, that has happened with the Cavs in the past. Um, so it is kind of awkward right now. You know, Larry Drew seems like he needs a break from all of it. He's answered a very similar questions, I think, uh, very professionally in being asked. You know, why he you know, what it's like to be a coach right now, just sort of stuff that we, you know the answer to already, but um, obviously it makes sense to ask it, but he has kind of given the same answer every time. An uneventful overall Monday practice. Kevin Love was the last one on the court for what it's worth shooting, um, as he's been doing of late, and um, they are kind of getting some stuff in, I think working on some stuff that you've seen in games that has worked of late, but um, a very uneventful practice. Jordan Clarkson was the other player to talk, didn't say a whole bunch. You will hear him later in the show, but... Uh, now you're going to hear Larry Drew talking about Kevin Love, and then are going to be back to, with a look at Cavs Celtics. So stay tuned for more Lockdown Cavaliers on this Tuesday, February 5th. What is the um, beyond
1: Kevin being out? What What is the latest with him? With Kevin, he's coming along. He's coming along. He's he's participating in all of our all all the things that we're doing. Um, all the, all the contact stuff that we're doing. Um, you know, he's moving up the floor. Uh, you know, very well. Um, right now, he's 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 day to day until we get uh, until we get total clearance.
0: Does he have to go back to his doctor in New York before
1: he's not? to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. What do your eyes tell you? You know, notwithstanding just catching that nice pass you him. you look he look like he's pretty good. What do your eyes tell you about him? I'm not asking you to be a doctor, just what your eyes tell you. Well that he's uh yeah. that he's making tremendous progress, you know. Oh, um, and and you know the, the the big thing is to see how he is the day after. That's that's the that's the real measurement stick. To, to see if there's any type of a setback and uh, thus far he's participated in Uh, a few of our practices and there has not been any setbacks coming coming back the uh, coming back the following day so that just tells me that he's uh he's certainly uh, moving in the right direction
0: and we are back so that's what larry drew had to say about one kevin love okay three things to watch for in tonight's Cavs celtics game The first thing is something you're not going to get to watch, which sounds odd, I guess, for this. But it's that Kyrie Irving is not going to play, and that means he is not going to play in Cleveland this season. Um, That is no, you know, real indicative thing on, on him and just him being hurt or anything. It's just basically they're getting some rest, which I think is deserved. He has a hip injury, according to the Celtics. It's more of a bummer because I think it's really cool when athletes come back into these environments um, I think for for media wise, that this just means he will not be available in Cleveland, and that basically means uh, we're not going to get a chance to, to for to see what he has to say about the franchise, about Sexton, about the LeBron stuff. It's just th- there's just a lot of Cavsy things I think would be worth asking Kyrie, and just to get his perspective on some of them. Um, I you know know him and know Kevin means we're not going to get to kind of see kind of ask them about each other to some degree. Um. It's just kind of fun when a guy like that, who was on the on a team, comes back and has to interact with the media there, interact with the fan base there. I would just really like to see how that plays out. We haven't seen that since last season. Um, and, you know, he wasn't like hated. I don't think by any means, but I, I wonder how that's changed. I wonder how the his being linked to LeBron so much recently has changed things. I, I don't know, but I, I think that's just kind of a, a curiosity I do have there. So and, and I just think it would be interesting to see how Sexton goes up against Kyrie, how Kyrie would defend Colin. There's Those little things there I think would have been interesting from a basketball standpoint, but also just the the narrative standpoint. I think it's a cool story to have Kyrie back uh, to see what it would have been like, how he would have been received as the leader of the Celtics team and just how he's sort of been acting this year for it's not like he's been you know acting crazy or anything like that necessarily but i think it'd just be fascinating to see how the the fan base at this point in time a few years removed now from the trade uh where he asked out i'd be curious to see how he would be received i I just like seeing that stuff and we're not going to see it this year so that kind of sucks secondly um it is a colin sexton related thing i do want to see how colin sexton is defended in this game now when these two teams last played it was in boston Sexton had a really hard time driving. Uh, Marcus Smart really especially did a great job of hounding Sexton Sexton, using his strength, using his quickness as an elite defender to really frustrate Sexton and to keep him from from getting into lane and making drives. Terry Rozier did a, a good job as well, but Boston's overall roster and their defensive structure and the type of guys they have that they can throw on Sexton and that they can switch and throw on Sexton really will throw him for fits. And I want to see how Colin adapts to this. You know, do they run, uh, do, does he play more of ball and maybe do some cutting a la what Jordan Clarkson's done? Do they just run some pick and roll with him in a way they don't always now to kind of get him going downhill a little bit? You know, can he make the most of any opportunities he gets in transition to push the ball up the floor and to get past some of these guys? Especially with Jetty out and with how good Jetty's been, they need Collin Sexton to, to really step up to play well in this game if they're going to have a shot. Um, Sexton has to win his battle with Rozier to some degree. He has to be able to handle those Marcus Smart situations, and also just from a from a growth standpoint, growth is not linear in the NBA. Growth is not um, a straight line up or down in one way or the other. These career arcs are are more wavy and and whatnot. So I'm not going to say that Sexton has to like. Completely improve on every little thing that he didn't do right in the first Celtics game. I think that would be unfair to him, especially with the roster context he's playing, especially with Jetty and Love and all these guys out. Tristan Thompson being out, and he's by far the best screener on the Cavs. That that matters. But I want to see how he approaches this differently. You know, he really struggled in that Celtics game. It was not a performance I thought particularly. Um, really showed you what it, what is interesting about Sexton, and some of that you know is the Celtics roster. Some of that is just the fact that that's a group that really just has the type of personnel to really you know throttle Colin Sexton and to throw the throw challenges at him because of his size right now, because of his um, lack like of strength, and in that just to run through his stat line in that game um, in Boston, just right after the road trip. Colin Sexton played 31 minutes, he was 6-15 from the field, 2-4 from 3, 2-4 from the line, had 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 turnovers, and was a 16 point game, 2 fouls in there. So not a great stat line, uh, shot well from 3 at least, that's a positive for Colin, but he needs to be better than he was in that game, especially with the turnovers, especially with his overall shot selection. Um, and just not being the type of negative he was in that game. I This will be a big test for him. I just want to see how he handles it now that he saw this pretty recently, and you would think that you know what they saw him go up against in that game will be a good challenge for him from the coaching staff to make him adapt. And, and by the way, just so people are aware, the last time Colin Sexton shot at least 50% in a game was on... November, January 13th of this year against the Lakers in L.A. That was the six-point win on the road trip, the one win on the road trip, um, where he shot seven of 14. Before that, the last time he shot above 50% was in the loss to the Pacers um, right before they went on that West Coast road trip. So it's a rough stretch for him, and perhaps he can kind of step up to the play a little bit in this game and do more than, than we're sort of expecting from him at this point in time. Lastly, David Nawaba is a point of intrigue for me in this game because I just I want to see what his role looks like. So no Jetty means those two can't really play off of each other. Um, we saw on Saturday when Jetty went out, Nawaba basically burned his second half minutes at the start of the third quarter when uh, they needed someone to play the fourth spot. My guess is that he's going to start, uh, but we have to see how many minutes he's going to play if he actually starts. He was on a roughly 15-minute restriction on Saturday, so will he be on something similar in this game? Will they bring him back very slowly considering he missed 18 games? Um, I would expect that it's going to take him some time to be fully back. It's just too much to ask of him to uh, be fully back and in shape right away. Again, I would guess that he starts for Jetty, but I would guess he plays maybe 20 minutes, just that slight bump from what we saw last time instead of 30 or so. I think it's going to bring him back slowly. He said he felt a little sore after that one. So I would expect David Nwaba to start. I would expect David Nwaba to to kind of feature in ways that Jetty might have the last couple games, at least defensively with a little more work inside. But I think there still will be a cap on his minutes, and I think at least it's good to have him back um, but I think and it'll be interesting to see too what what happens here with uh, Nick Stowskis and Wade Baldwin and the starting lineup as well. Rodney Hood has started a lot recently, obviously. so if he's not playing, what does that mean for the starting lineup? You know, do they start one of the new guys? I would guess not. Does that mean, you know we see Dan Adele start a, a one-off situation? Does I doubt Clarkson starts. Does Delhi start? I, there's there's some questions there just kind of what lineup Larry Drew is going to run. We'll find out uh, tomorrow when he talks. I would guess you'll see something interesting. Maybe they go, they go to two big lineups, but it could depend on what Boston does as well. So uh, we're going to take one more break. You're going to hear from Jordan Clarkson from Monday's practice where he talks about what it was like to be traded at the deadline. Um, He gave a pretty good answer about this. Um, and obviously he was traded last year, at the other from the Lakers to the Cavs, and then he said he lived in a hotel for a couple of weeks, which was which is kind of tough, and I can't imagine is a very enjoyable experience when you have to move on a whim and you're not you weren't even in the city you know you were uh, going to be traded to or coming from and just had to meet a team in, in another city so it's, it's a tough time of year for these guys think about that when you when you watch guys getting traded and are doing fake trades it's just there's there is a human element to all of this but I uh, hear from Jordan Clarkson then are going to be back to talk about Jetty and get into his shooting a little bit so stay tuned for more Locked on Cavaliers.
1: settled till like two months in like i said we was on the road then we was on then we I think we went on all-star break if i am be correct uh, so i was still gathering all my stuff during that time and got here stayed in the hotel uh, for a little while then finally found a place Then I had to you know rent furniture get all that stuff tvs and you know, kind of just make it happen. So it took about two months. I really didn't get settled till we was maybe second round in the playoffs. I had all my stuff. So, you know, that's when I got comfortable.
0: <laughs> okay, we are back. There was Jordan Clarkson. Uh, so last segment of today's show, Jetty Osman, our weekly check-in on the Cavs' Turkish swingman. So prior to his injury on Saturday, I really thought that Jetty was settling into a group. He's turning that proverbial corner to some degree I think over the last 8 to 10 games or so that sample size, he's really taken on a bigger role. He's looked more assertive, he looked more comfortable, and I think the area that's most shown up in is in his shooting. What I think has been the most interesting about this, and the it's the biggest factor it's in my opinion in Jetty really maximizing what he can be as a player is that it is his shooting. It is what he's going to be as a three-point shooter specifically. He's not suddenly become Turkish Kyle Korver or anything like that overnight, but he looks more comfortable. He looks less rushed, and I think it's especially true when he's been a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. So here's the breakdown on, on the different types of threes. According, This is from NBA.com backslash stats. So for the year, Jetty is taking 3.4 attempts per game on catch-and-shoot threes. He's shooting 31.6% on those catch-and-shoot threes. That's not great interestingly on 1.3 pull-up attempts per game on the year he's shooting 32.3 percent that's kind of an interesting breakdown of an overall number so in that that span that of the games he's played this year that's it's odd for him to be better at pull-ups I think because it's a harder shot typically Um, a lot of times he's rushing those shots but he's made a decent of them and that's something that he did do at the Turkish national team so it's a shot he likes to take to some degree but um, it's interesting that he's worse than catch-and-shoot because typically catch-and-shoot opportunities should be easier, at least in theory, or better quality looks in theory. Over the last eight games, um, that this is the sample size we looked at, or I looked at, Jetty is shooting 48.3% on 3.6 catch-and-shoot at three-pointers per game. So that's uh, slightly more attempts and a much better percentage. Probably not sustainable percentage, but a better one. In that same span, on 1.6 pull-up three attempts per game, he's shooting 23.1%, so that number has fallen down pretty significantly over that time on a roughly same number of shot attempts. Form-wise and I think comfort-wise, Jetty looks better on film as a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. It's something that if you listen to Fred McLeod and Austin Carr talk during games, if you're listening to their call, they harp on this quite a bit for Jetty's development long term and I think for him to find his place among the next good or playoff contending or bottom of the what just whatever respectable Cavs team you kind of want to envision in your mind I think him making catch and shoot threes is a huge development it's going to help him succeed off of Kevin Love who's a great passer who's going to be the hub of the offense very soon if Colin Sexton becomes the lead guard or, or the secondary guy, creator on this team moving forward from the backcourt, it's going to help him fit with Sexton a little bit better. And let's say the Cavs end up with Zion or end up with R.J. Barrett or some other young player they're going to entrust a lot of the offense to and let dominate the ball. That catch-and-shoot skill is going to matter. It's going to allow him to be malleable. It's going to allow him to fit they're gonna need him to maybe make those pull up clips at, at pull ups at a decent rate. They're gonna need him to pass. They're gonna need him to create as a pull up shooter. If he could get like above what Jay Crowder is with the Jazz, and Jay's is at thirty two point eight percent on those pull up threes this year, maybe that like that can still be a tool for him that he can make defenses pay on. Um, but catch and shoot threes are going to be more valuable in my opinion because he's gonna take more of them. They're gonna they're gonna f- allow him to fit uh, a more. Clear role in the offense where he doesn't have to be a gunner to get off his threes, and it's just going to allow him to be a malleable piece moving forward. Some of his numbers here are unsustainable. I think the, you know shooting over fifty percent from three over the last like five games, and that forty-eight point three percent number are going to be unsustainable. But long term, if he could settle in at like thirty-six percent from three, I would be good with that for Jetty. Um, I if he could get a little higher, that would be even better. But we need to kind of see what next year looks like. His free throw percentage not being the best um, isn't a great indicator that he's necessarily going to be a smooth shooter. Typically, free throw percentage is a better indicator at a young age of kind of where you're going to be as a shooter. It's a little different, I think, in the pros, but there's there's something to that. But if he could just settle in as a respectable three-point shooter on a catch-and-shoot threes, I think that would be just really, really big for him um, and his development. And recently, that has just been the thing to me that stands out most in his game. The passing is fun. The assertiveness is fun. But it's the catch and shoot threes, and how much more patient he looks taking those shots. Also, note about Jetty shooting. So he is about three percent above league average taking threes from the right wing. He is three percent above average in both corners, but he's a below league average on the left wing. So basically, so on the right, above the break, the right side above the break threes above league average. In the corners, uh, the the closest shot he's going to take from three. Above league average, left side of the floor for whatever reason he struggles with. So keep that in mind when you're watching him. So um, I don't know what what if there's something to that. If it's because he's you know right-handed and shooting from the right side, whatever he's better on that side of the floor and in the corners by a decent a, a decent percentage as opposed to the left wing. Um, perhaps I'm gonna poke around and see if there's a if there's a reason for that. But that's where Jetty is at his shooting. Sucks that he's not playing Tuesday. Hope we can keep that. If the, the Cavs have to hope that he can keep up this shooting when he is back. But um, it's been very encouraging for him of late. So that is going to be it for today's podcast. We're going to be back tomorrow with a look at tonight's Cavs Celtics game and any updates, rumors, news, notes about the trade deadline and the Cavs specifically as we get there. If you have questions that you want answered in the next mailbag, again, that's going to be a draft-specific mailbag with me and Trevor McNaughty. Submit those now to Locked on, Cavs on Twitter. That's at LockedOnCavs or to LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts does guarantee your question gets answered. So if you go leave that review, send me a screenshot of that review or leave your question in the review, we'll answer your question. And that could be anything. At for the Sword, uh, be sure to check out Trevor's excellent draft guide for this week's college basketball slate. And in the news feature um, I'm doing over here for the store, check out Cup of Calf. So every morning at 5 a.m. on the front page of the site, a story will be up with a take of the day, the NBA news you might have missed the day before, and a sports-related story to read on a given day. Uh, if you check out the first edition that came out on February 4th, this was, it was a Rob Mahoney story about Dirk and about Dirk Kristapsen and the the Mavericks skipping the reload process. This could be something that could be a newsletter as well in the future. But we'd love to get I'd love to get your feedback on it. You can email the podcast at lockedoncavs@gmail.com to give me that feedback. If you check out Cup of Cavs, and I appreciate everyone that does and that listens to this podcast and reads everyone's work over at For the Sword. So that's gonna be it. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Locked On Cavaliers for Tuesday. February 5th, I am Chris Manning. Find me on Twitter and Facebook at CWMWrites. Enjoy tonight's game. Enjoy the rumors. Enjoy not having to process every crazy LeBron thing that you see Woj tweet. Turn on those uh, text alerts and uh, notifications on your phone for the real Woj, the real Shams, the real Mark Stein. Don't get do by fakers. We'll talk to you tomorrow.